The homily for the second Sunday of Lent. My dear friends, on this second Sunday, I would like to meditate on the second sorrowful mystery, the scourging of our Lord. Let me, however, begin by saying something about this meditation on the Passion of our Lord. We often think that meditating on this is something that should be depressing, that meditating on the Passion of our Lord is something that should put us down. That, however, is not the case. As I have mentioned before, yes, there is some sadness when we consider our sins. There is some sadness when we consider the sufferings of our Lord. Even today, after we're done with this meditation, yes, we might feel a little bit sad about all the things that come to mind. However, our Lord's desire is not that when we are meditating on his passion, we end with sadness. His desire is rather that while we meditate on the passion, we find benefits for our soul, that we find strength to improve our lives. Our Lord wishes us to think of the passion, not to upbraid us, not to throw it in our face, but rather like a good mother who has worked very hard to create a good meal, a good nutritious meal for her children, and she finds joy in seeing her children taking that meal and consuming it and finishing it, seeing her children avidly eating it and being more healthy and more strong after that. In that same way, our Lord, having prepared our salvation through his passion, is happy when we see, when he sees that we are nurtured by it, that we are repaired by the meditation of it, that we find peace and love in thinking of the sufferings that he had for us. My friends, we would only be sad and finish our meditation on the Passion with sadness if we are sinners that are unrepentant, if we don't want to change our lives, if we don't want to amend, then yes, we will meditate on the Passion of our Lord and find no hope, but rather only recrimination, only guilt. But we are not sinners that are unrepentant, we are sinners who wish to repent. We want to change. Perhaps we haven't left sin behind as we would, we would. But we want to leave sin behind. We want and we abhor our sins. And that's why for us, the meditation of the passion is rather a source of hope. There are mainly two reasons why the meditation of the passion will bring us hope and peace and some joy. The first one is because meditating on the Passion, we have a proof of the love that our Lord had for us. And secondly, meditating on the Passion, we have proof of His mercy, of the forgiveness of our sins. Let's cover those two briefly. I say that the meditation of the Passion proves to us the love of our Lord, because indeed every single suffering, every little moment, is a testimony of how much our Lord has loved us. Think of this, my dear friend. He could have saved you by the slightest work that he did. He was God. The tiniest thing that he did would have been enough to save a thousand universes. He could have snapped his fingers and save us. But he didn't want to take anything away from all the things that he could do for us. He wanted to do as much as was fitting, as much as was possible, 
He wasn't cheap. He didn't save himself any efforts. Because he wanted us to have a material, a real testimony of his love for us. And that's why his passion, every single suffering of it, is a decision that he made in order to prove to us his love. I say also that the passion is a proof of his mercy. And because of that, it is a promise to you of the forgiveness of your sins. Think back for a moment. Let us step back and look at this huge mountain of our sins from our past life. Think of this huge avalanche of horrible things that you have done. Iniquities, lies, theft, impurity. All these things that you've done, the times that you've disrespected your parents, the times that you put God away, the times that you didn't go to Mass on Sundays, the times that you were distracted during prayers, the times that you ate too much, the times that you drank too much, the times that you criticized others, the times that you were uncharitable with others. And you see this huge wave of sins that is ready to, de ready to devour you. Imagine that you were in a court of law and that you had an accuser and that this accuser brought all the things that you've committed since you were a child till now. All your sins, days and days perhaps, of hearing these things. How safe would you feel? How would you have hope on your salvation when all these things are brought in front of your eyes? But my friends, against this huge mass of crimes, what do you have to defend yourself? You have the sufferings of Jesus Christ himself. One slash at his back, one thorn in his head, one nail in his hands would be worth much more of the whole universe of crimes, of the whole of humanity, because it is the action of God. And so, my dear friends, every suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ is like a stamp that guarantees to you that your sins are forgiven if you but repent from them. That is the only condition. And these two reasons are just two of many why when we meditate on the passion of our Lord, we find peace and love and comfort at seeing all the goods that come to us from the sufferings of Christ. Now, my dear friends, today I do want to meditate on the scourging of our Lord. And I want to begin by reading you the prophecy of the prophet Isaiah. This is chapter 13, verse 53, and he says, Surely he hath borne our infirmities. He speaks of our Lord Jesus Christ. Surely he hath borne our infirmities and carried our sorrows. We had thought of him as if it were a leper, and as one struck by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our iniquities. He was bruised for our sins. Yet the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. My friends, close your eyes if you can at this moment and let the surroundings, your surroundings disappear and place yourself right now in that Roman court. Place yourself in that patio where the soldiers are standing around, drinking, gambling, cursing, blaspheming the God of the Jews, blaspheming the Messiah. Look at the distance and see over there the proud Sanhedrin, all the Jews standing at a distance, wealthy, pompous, 
keeping their distance from the pagan grounds of the Romans, but yet eager to see that cruel punishment that is about to take place. And then see your God, silent as a lamb, meek as a child, make his entrance. He comes to the middle, and he's stripped of his clothes. What would you feel if you were stripped of your clothes in front of people? What would you feel if in front of a hostile crowd you were left naked or uncovered? All of them making mock of you. What would you feel if this was done by, done by soldiers right before they beat you up? How would you feel standing there? My dear friends, it was your God that was put to the shame. They treat him as guilty and he doesn't act differently. He marches towards the column as if he was guilty. He puts his hands to the column as if he was guilty and he bends his back as if he deserved that punishment. And then at that moment the strong men come with reeds, with long sticks, and they start beating his back. Hear the sound of the sticks as they go through the air. Listen to the death sound as it strikes the flesh of our Lord. Listen to the crack that it makes when it hits the ribs in his back. Look at the bruises that rise from his back, purple, red, and black. Hear the echo of the blows in the walls of the precinct. Listen to the exclamations of horror of the crowd. And as those sounds continue, say to yourself, this man who is bearing here the greatest punishment, this man is not bearing this punishment for his sins, it is for mine. It is my punishment, it belongs to me. He was wounded for our iniquities. He was bruised for our sins. My soul, do you not find in you the strength to stop sinning? Perhaps you haven't heard the scourge. One sin, one scourge. Another sin, another scourge. How many scourges do I have to hear? When will it be enough? When I hate other person, Christ is scourged. When I lie, Christ is scourged. When I sin of impurity, Christ is scourged. When I renounce grace, and I renounce coming to Mass on Sundays, or I shamefully renounce my faith, Christ is scourged. He was wounded for our iniquities. But my soul, would that it was only reeds, would that it was only sticks that they used. Such it would be, perhaps, if our sins were not excessive. Such it would be if the love of our Lord wasn't excessive. But both our sins and his love were excessive. And so this wasn't enough. And the soldiers took the flagellum, that Roman instrument that was used to kill prisoners by scourging, a stick with three stripes of leather ending in bone or in metal. And see those men now hitting our Lord's back with this instrument. The prophet tells us we would have thought he was a leper. Lepers lose their skin. They're but a mass of blood and wounds. Flesh is hanging from their sides. This, my dear friends, was the picture of our Savior. He looked like a leper. 
But perhaps even hearing all these things, there is a soul out there that is not contrite. Perhaps we are so oblivious of these things and of our Lord, that hearing all these things were but listening, as if nothing was happening. But to shake you out from that ignorance, let me put it this way to you. Imagine that it was your wife taking that beating and that scourging for your evil. Imagine that it was your husband that was being scourged for the evil things that you've done. Imagine that it was your son whose flesh was being torn to pieces. What would you do then? Wouldn't you run over there and ask the soldiers to stop? Wouldn't you ask that the whip and the scourge comes to you? Would you not lay bare your back and go over there and cover your child and tell the soldiers, hit me? I am the guilty one, he is innocent. My friends, why don't you do that with Jesus? Do we not know him well enough, but we know who he is. We know that he's our God. We know that he's innocent. We know that we ought to love him. We might not know Jesus as well as we know our husband, our wife, or our child, but we know who he is. So my soul, during the rest of Lent, don't let it go by without you running to the soldiers, without asking that the whip and the rod and the scourge comes to you rather than to Jesus. Go put yourself at his side. Take some of the punishment, and if you are not allowed to, at least offer to take some of that punishment and the little things that you have to offer during this Lent. The little sufferings that you have to offer during this Lent, take it as part of that beating that belonged to you, not to him. My dear friends, see these things yourselves. Imagine them yourselves. As you continue to hear Mass today, and as you go out into the world today, don't stop listening to those blows. Don't fail to see that blood shed for you on the floor. And when you come to communion, remember that what you're receiving in that host is that blood that was shed, that was on the floor, that was beaten out of our Lord Jesus Christ for your transgressions. And as you receive that host, and you think of our Lord's body rent to pieces for you, let your heart be filled and flooded with feelings of love and gratitude for his mercy, because those wounds that our Lord had were the price for your happiness. They were the price for your forgiveness. They were the price of your redemption. As the prophet told us already, through his wounds, we are healed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.